Hello and welcome to the Digital of Business and Business of Digital podcast where we interview thought leaders, industry experts and professionals behind the successful and inspiring digital marketing campaigns. This podcast is brought to you by Lingjoy, a tool that helps you get 10x out of your digital presence by creating branded links, curated pages and link in bio. Subscribe now and start your journey towards becoming a digital marketing pro. Hello everybody. Welcome to Digital of Business and Business of Digital. Today we are going to talk about SEO strategies to drive organic traffic in 2021. And we have somebody with us who has been on internet from 1994. She has been into the industry of SEO for last 15 years, has been running her own agency for last 5 years and has worked with Fortune 500 companies. Welcome Catherine, welcome to Digital of Business, Business of Digital. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> First I would like to know more about your journey from 1994 to 2021. If you can please tell us about it. Sure, yeah, I lucked out. I went to a weird college that had a build an HTML class in 1994. So, that's when I um put on my first website. Um, but it took me a long time to find SEO, which is weird because my background's marketing. Um, and my undergrad is in social psychology, so it's like a natural fit to end up in SEO. Um, Yeah, I I pivoted my masters to look at tech marketing business, so it was a bit in, online marketing focused, but when I really found SEO was when I was working at the Points of Light Foundation, which is a nonprofit, but it had a SaaS startup inside of it um called 1800volunteer.org, which was this um volunteer management service system. And uh I it's just me, I had no support staff and no consultants, and I was supposed to be at a sales quota. um and I'm also supposed to be marketing the website in theory but it was built without a a business requirements document and it wasn't built to scale so it kept going down my demos were very interesting on the sales side um but uh one day as I'm in the worried about trying to sell this thing um we fell off a of google and the cfo comes in my office and is like why are we not on google and my previous experience was like a 12 page html site thing this is a home built cms system dynamic huge thing right and i'm like uh i don't know but i said you know what here's the plan you send me to search engine strategy chicago uh and i will find out so it used to be back at these search shows they would do these big audit sessions like 200 people in a ballroom experts on the panel So they say who wants their site audited and like my hands like the first up and they decide to look at my website. So the first two things that they tell me <laughs> they're like so there's this file. It's called the robot.txt file. And in that file you can tell Google to not look at your website. That's basically what you've done. I'm like, "Okay, duly noted." And then they're like, "Also, there's a couple of ways that you can redirect your website and for some reason you're redirecting it two different times over and one of the ways you're redirecting it is how porn sites do it." <laughs> All right, good to know. <laughs> um so I spent like 5 days. It was like a crash course because I was determined to walk out of that show with a plan and um yeah, I got completely hooked. So, you know, fast forward uh before right before I started my own agency, I actually got the chance to work at Ketchum, which is a global PR firm, and I helped them build out an online marketing and analytics team. Um and as part of that we launched healthit.gov which is the US website to support electronic health records and we managed that campaign so I was very involved with doing that for 3 years we actually changed the search volume from electronic medical records to electronic health records which is kind of like meta SEO stuff um but yeah I got to do a lot of crazy stuff while I was there I worked with a lot of big brands like the Russian Federation 
<laughs> and then your health exchange and, uh, you know, Cleveland Clinic. I mean, just really big names. Um, and then since I've been on my own, I still work with big companies. So I've, I do a lot of technical SEO. Uh, I'm really focused right now on enterprise level science-based organizations. So I've worked with the fishery department of NOAA. I work with some big um, academic journals. Um, so the current website I'm helping, it has around 6 million URLs that we're collapsing into less than that, but we're migrating that right now um, over Q2, Q3. So um, yeah, big stuff. It's a lot of fun though. And I still do some social stuff. I do some YouTube strategy and I run two podcasts. So I do one podcast looking at the soft skills of digital marketing and yeah. another one where I do daily SEO, semi-daily at this point, but daily SEO tips, <laughs> which is also an Alexa flash briefing. <laughs> okay. I think it's a very interesting journey and uh, a lot of things uh, to uh, learn in the next 40 minutes, 45 minutes that we are going to be together. Let us start with the uh, first thing first, which is what is your definition of SEO? Every marketer has their own definition of things that they love. What is your layman definition of SEO? If my mom today, uh, who does not understand digital marketing, who does not understand internet a lot, how would you explain her SEO in a way? Yeah, I mean, I explain to clients that I, you know, I help them be found on any platform that has an organic search algorithm. Mind you, your mom wouldn't understand that. So my explanation to your mom is I help clients be found on Google, full stop. And I don't talk about the difference between paid and organic. I basically, yeah. I mean, may, maybe I say the, the free part of Google, but yes, yes, um, yes. I stop with Google. But when it comes to clients, I'm going to help them with Bing. I help them with YouTube. They, yes. If they're interested in the tiny 2% of Facebook organic search traffic, I'll help them with that. <laughs> I like or less than two percent, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it is good that marketers uh, internally have started making these jokes about Facebook's organic traffic, and uh, so uh, that is how we know uh, why it is, is it important to get on Google and rank on Google a lot because that is not going to kill uh, be killed by Google anytime soon. Though there are a lot of ads and everything coming in, and uh, so that is always going to be there. Uh, how different is it uh, when it, you started in the industry 2015 um, to now where there are a lot of tools, there are a lot of technology, uh, information in abundance is there, people have created a lot of content. Suppose if we just talk about a SaaS company, company like HubSpot has created everything under the sun when it comes to uh, the part of content for digital marketing or content for those kind of things. How? How would a new company try to get into these all things and what should be their approach in SEO or somebody who is trying to start today, what should be their mindset? Yeah, I mean, it's changed a lot in 15 years. It was certainly a lot easier 15 years ago. Um, so the big challenge today is that all of these platforms have machine learning in them, which means they're running live user tests yeah. um, and they're surfacing stuff that works for their users based on the data they're getting. So that means that you absolutely have to know what your users want. So while 15 years ago, you possibly could get away with just pushing stuff out there, whether or not you knew anything about your users, um, it's just not possible today because all the search platforms have been personalized to the user for a very long time. Um, and now they have the machine learning on top. The other bit that's made it harder 
particularly if you're in any of the spaces that are covered by Google's Your Money or Your Life qualities. Um, that's a, so it's that's something that's baked in their Google Human Reader guidelines. And basically, it means that if it's something that would impact your health, happiness, safety, I forget the last one. Um, there's a couple categories. If it impacts that related to their users, they have a higher bar for content. And what I've noticed is particularly in the health space, because I do a lot of stuff in the health space, is that for different queries, in fact, Google has a patent out about it. It almost seems like, or maybe Google has, whitelisted a set of domains that it thinks should rank for those types of queries full stop. Um, so it's already picked the top 10 <laughs> that it's going to show. And so you don't have a chance. <laughs> um, I was working with a pharma company who didn't understand the, your money or your life. Well, actually, I was working with an agency who was working with a pharma company. But, um, and I just had to tell them, I said, for a vast majority of these queries, you're not going to rank. Full stop. You're just not going to rank. Um, we'd have to get more creative about other things you can rank for. But anything that you might Google where you're going to see WebMD <laughs> Healthline and like, but you're just not going to appear. So um, as an example of this, I worked with National Cancer Institute for multiple years. And one of the things I helped them with was an assessment of the breast cancer topic. So I did really dug deep into everything related to just breast cancer. And that was what I actually told them. And this is the National Cancer Institute of the US. But I was like, you're not going to rank for some of these queries. It's so competitive. And some of these companies, because National Cancer has a very small SEO team. And some of these companies like Medical News Today, I mean, they've got 20, 40 SEOs. The staffing is just, and the sophistication. So um, WebMD has been online before Google. <laughs> and so it knows its, it's sophistication is really high. Um, so I guess that's the thing. If you're new and you're coming into the industry, depending on what your topic is, you might be up against some companies that have been doing it for a very long time. And the, I think uh, for what you said for medical, uh, and uh, there are a few companies which are already whitelisted by Google, that happens a lot of times in, uh, I think, a lot of, uh, you said five or six uh, things which are there. And uh, whenever we go to a hospital or whenever we are going to talk to a government agency which wants to rank, uh, that becomes a problem because they don't know how early somebody has started in the journey that they are trying to get today. And everybody thinks like Facebook, uh, you pay and then you get there. So that is paid ads. Uh, you cannot buy followers here. You cannot do those kind of things here. And uh, for Facebook and Twitter, I think it is easy for people to explain because they can use those things. For SEO, it always becomes difficult because they are not using it. They are using it passively in a way. For Facebook, they do like, they do comment, they do share. So they understand basic nitty gritties. In SEO, it is very difficult. Uh, how do you explain those things to such a huge client base that you have when there is a lot of bureaucracy? You are, like you said, uh, you had to tell them that you are not going to rank on these uh, keywords. And there are private players who are going to rank there. As a government agency, how do you explain them that this is where you will be? Um, so for most of my clients, yeah, they're, so they're, they're big, they're authoritative. I've just sort of migrated to those kind of clients. Yeah. Um, but they're new to SEO and okay. a lot of times they find me because, well, half the time I'd say they find me because they had a problem 
<laughs> it's not like they fell off of Google, but suddenly they're not getting as much traffic as they thought they should. They're not quite sure why. So, you know, when National Cancer Institute pinged me, it was right after those symptom panels showed up. So they saw a decrease in traffic, right? Because the symptom panels are taking their clicks and views and stuff. Um, and what's interesting is for someone as big as that, what I spent a lot of time talking with them about is strategies to future-proof them because Google is trying to um, provide the same services. They're like literally moving into their industry, which is a problem for a lot of industries. We've seen some industries like just disappear, like travel, because <laughs> Google just decided to provide it. Um, so, so I do a couple of things. One, I always train my clients. I literally set up trainings with all of the staff. It's kind of almost a requirement. And the first training is more of an overview and the takeaway should really be, this is way more sophisticated than I thought and way more complicated. <laughs> and maybe we need a strategy. <laughs> it's not just sort of like, I'm going to keyword stuff. Like that's not how it works anymore. So that, so that's like trying to pivot everybody's brain. Um, but then the other thing I do with all of these companies is talk about traffic diversification. So even though I'm a, a organic girl, I talk about launching paid for almost all of them, um, especially... So for healthit.gov, for instance, it turns out a third of the physicians in the U.S. click on paid ads, 33%, way higher than the average user. The average user is what, like four, <laughs> like nowhere near a third. <laughs> um, so for them, it was like critical that they launched paid ads, even though at that point, HHS hadn't run a lot of paid ads as the government. They felt very uncomfortable. It took us multiple years to sell through the strategy to actually get it executed. Um, and it was successful. <laughs> um, just like I also encouraged people to do YouTube ads for the similar reason, like you just that lifts things, right? Um, and think doing things like building an email list, <laughs> like having a direct way to contact your, your customer. Even though these folks are not normally doing that, those are the kinds of things that I encourage them to do. I don't think anybody should rely on just Google's traffic. So building your own uh, network is very important, which uh, we have seen around because as we discussed about Facebook, Facebook had an organic reach. It is killing it now. It's almost, it is dead. I should not say it is killing it. It is dead. Uh, same, with, uh, same goes with Instagram. It was on a high in 2016, 2017. Today it is, again, organic reach is going down. LinkedIn today is giving you organic reach just because Microsoft wants to up their game. And uh, sooner or later, they are going to kill it because they want also want a lot of money to sustain. Same way is what are the things which Google is trying to do? We have heard about uh, voice search coming into place. We have heard about uh, the Google, like you said, getting into the travel industry. What are other things which Google is doing currently? Yeah, I mean, I think the big takeaway is that they, they're all rented properties, which I've, I people don't realize that. But I'm like, you're not paying them to like be there permanently in any sort of way. It's not like you're um, buying server space on Google or something. <laughs> um, and so you're at a whim of these big players that could just overnight change their mind about you, like the symptom panel, like overnight the symptom panel like, appears. Um, yeah, so I really focus on trying to get uh, my clients to double down on their website, their SMS list, their email list, that kind of thing. Um, in relation to what Google's doing in the future that would change your plans, um, voice search is definitely big. So here in the US, we're at 44% of Americans use voice search daily. 
Uh, what's more interesting is actually to look at the trend from last year to this year and the increase, right? So it's following the same adoption curve as other technology adoption. Um, and so it's something you should definitely pay attention to. However, <laughs> to get into voice search, you basically have to have strong SEO, which a lot of clients just don't. And it's impossible to measure the ROI unless you're going to launch an Alexa skill or a Google action, then you get metrics. But if you're just going to try to appear in a lot of these voice positions, you don't see that in your analytics. So you don't see voice traffic in Google search console. You can just confer that this query looks like a voice query. So I think it's voice, which is not the same as definitively telling your boss that was from voice search. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, your analytics similar, you're not going to see queries coming in that are voice search. Um, maybe you could see something coming in because you know, you're ranking for a featured snippet, but a featured snippet's only pulled a third of the time. And then depending on the query, Google can show all sorts of things. So if it's a local query, they're going to show Google my business. Well, you don't know if that was a voice query. You just don't. Um, so to fit, like really putting a voice marketing plan in place and getting buy-in from your supervisor <laughs> and then measuring it afterwards, really tough, unless you're going to be doing a Google action. And, um, it forces you to play on more than one search platform. So that might be challenging too. A lot of folks in the US double down on Google because it's 94% of the search traffic. But when it comes to voice, because Amazon doesn't want to use Google's data, Bing powers about 44% of the market. The answers, which is mind blowing when you think about it. So Bing powers, like for an, inf and again, it depends on the query, but an information-based query where they're going to have to pull from like a search engine result on all of the Xboxes and all of the cars and all of the Alexa devices, that's all Bing. <laughs> um, so that requires you splintering your um, plan quite a bit. Um, and sometimes that's just beyond the capacity of what folks are able to do. So on the one hand, I say you should focus on voice. <laughs> on the other hand, it's gonna be really hard to actually execute on a voice plan depending on the size of your organization. I think it makes more sense to just get smarter about your user because that powers Google Discover on Android phones. Yes. And the click-through rate on Discover is much higher than search. And it's easier to measure. You get stuff inside Google Search Console. So if you were to do something new this year, I think that's what you should do because it will also give you a lot of great insight into what content's performing. Because if it's in Discover, it's because Google's decided it's really useful. Okay. Great. What are the other aspects? Uh, so when you explained um, search is there and which we cannot track today, but uh, is there a thing where we can bet on future? Because SEO is all about betting on the future is what a lot of marketers say that uh, you do consolidated effort day in and day out with consistency and then you get results. Uh, is search, uh, are we too early in uh, the voice search? or should uh, teams start focusing on a side-by-side -side basis on voice search or not? That is one question. Other is what are the, uh, so let's get on with that and then I will ask other. Yeah. <laughs> um, so a third of the results are from a feature snippet, which is the top yeah. of the Google search results. Um, and so on, say like you were on your desktop or phone. Um, and some of the feature snippets on mobile take over almost the entire screen. So I don't think that or I do think that a feature snippet strategy makes tons of sense. So implementing that into your plan, that would also get you there in voice. I think that 
just makes a lot of sense. I also think as a long-term strategy, all of these search engines are relying on what's called a knowledge graph to populate the results. Google has said that the feature snippet is most often pulled from its knowledge graph and then from the web. Yeah. So some entity optimization, I think makes a lot of sense. And that's making sure that your brand is mentioned and sort of hyperlinked together in a way that the search engines can find it. Some of it's Wikipedia, some of it's other um, databases. Um, if it was local, it was like Yelp. If it's a business, yeah. it's Crunchbase. You know, there's a bunch of pl platforms like that. So it's um, it's a process of like claiming and cleaning up mentions of your business across the internet. I think that makes tons of sense regardless of what you do. I think if you get a chance to put some schema markup in place, especially the same as where you can kind of link your website to your Wikipedia page, it's pretty easy lift. That makes a lot of sense. Um, but in relation to future-proofing your SEO, there's a couple things. Because I've been in the industry so long, you can kind of sh you can watch Google hint about something, <laughs> Google putting a tool inside Google Search Console about the same thing, Google doing a tiny little update, Google maybe enhancing the tool. It's like da, 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 da. and next thing you know, it's like wham, an algorithm update where you're gonna like lose your traffic if you don't do the thing that they've been talking about now for ten years, right? Um, maybe not ten, but if you look at speed, page speed. <laughs> They've been talking about page speed for a long time. And so the fact that this mobile update is coming that has page speed in it, along with user experience, if you've been an SEO, this should not be shocking. The number of UX updates they've done over the multiple years, the number of page speed updates. Um, so that it's not going away. Definitely not going away. And it's going to impact everybody come May 2021. And so you should start looking at your core web vitals and start improving that stuff. I mean, that one's a kind of a no-brainer. Um, the other thing that I think people don't spend enough time on, and I've been really advocating for for at least five years, if not longer, is old school HTML markup. Because Bing really needs it in its ranking. And now Google has announced, though it's been doing it for years, that they can pull snippets from deep inside your media asset into Google search. So they can actually pull like a paragraph and then rank it. So I had seen for, again, going back to the breast cancer thing, I had actually noticed that one of the competitors had a featured snippet and the featured snippet was pulled from two scrolls down the desktop page. And the reason it got pulled was that the it was a header two and a paragraph underneath that was a clear explanation of the keyword. Basically, it was an answer to the keyword. Um, so that's why I got pulled. It was because of the H2, it was the formatting. Um, and now they're saying with well, this passage, uh, in, they call it passage indexing, but it's passage ranking is rolling out. Um, and it applies to audio and it applies to video. And so whenever you can add extra markup to something, you should, because they've been using it for a while, they're gonna use it more. And I think at some point, a lot of the search results will just be the answer deep within your media asset. It won't be at the top part of your page that you work so hard on. <laughs> it's going to be deep within. Um, and I know writers over the years have gotten, or it seems like in my experience, they've gotten a little sloppy. <laughs> um, but man, those H1s and H2s and bullets and that stuff is gold. It's 1994 type markup, but you should embrace it. <laughs> So uh, when you said uh, writers nowadays uh, have gone haywire and the writing has also, um, I personally think uh, to rank people are writing a lot of things, but are they meaningful is not a lot of people see. And like you said, there are a lot of pages which are to be ranked. Or, so I know a lot of SaaS companies, I know a lot of marketing companies which have written, uh, written 
200 blogs 300 blogs but then they don't have any information in it and it is just they are seeing keywords they want to write around those keywords and that is where they are writing do you feel google will someday uh, or all of them are not ranking but as you said uh, these kind of things are deteriorating uh, uh, the whole content level and taking the averages down uh, is there a kind of vibe there that uh, or google is never going to see those pages uh, whatsoever they do Yeah, my guess is, is Google's never going to see those pages. So, yeah, I mean, 94% of content doesn't get any Google traffic, which is like an epic number. The passage ranking is actually to help folks like National Cancer Institute yeah. who love to write epically long pages, but they're well structured because yeah. they've gone through a writing process and, you know, a huge chunk of bureaucracy to come up with the perfectly scripted page and it's got headers and paragraphs yeah. and all that kind of stuff um that's who it's for it's for them to be able to get further down the page and realize that buried on scroll 3 paragraph 2 is actually the perfect answer and it's from an authoritative source and i'm just going to lift that and rank okay. that in the featured snippet so that's what passage ranking has been rolled out for however i would say that there is an open opportunity in video and audio to possibly surface some of this stuff in a way where that Google could rank um because i don't know that that's been well so you can upload a transcript with a timestamp but google's also using um machine vision to figure out some of it <laughs> so they've been adding some timestamps on their own um but i just don't think uh, there's not as many brands out there that have the structured data in place so i think it's more of a place of opportunity. So if you go out there with something well structured in audio or video with a timestamp, you might rank because Google's decided that it needs an audio or video and the big guys haven't marked their stuff up. Yeah. I I like the last part. Uh, I think it is one of the growth hacks which a lot of people listening to this podcast can use because big companies have their own bureaucracy as you said uh, and they are going to get into the game late. but when they get it uh, they are going to rank that is for sure because they have much better con- content than what we are creating today but for the time being we can always come up and rank there when it comes to the platforms like you said uh, so there is on page seo there is off page seo and there are a lot of technicalities which are there uh, what are the things which happens to every so whenever a panda update comes a lot of people go haywire and then their rankings just dips down uh they are not ranking on the keywords that they were and those kind of things happen what should be the approach of people whenever something of this sort happens uh, or how should somebody see these things or or is there a way to predict that these are the things which are going to happen like you said that google does one thing then it changes the tool then you know that this is coming how do you predict those things um so i mean two things a lot of my clients haven't seen massive dips once they work with me because i I really have a just a long-term focus on SEO and it's all about as much data from the actual audience as possible. Um and I don't encourage people to do anything that seems like a short-term hack cuz those just don't last. That's the thing that's going to get you nailed when a Google update comes. Um so I don't have clients that do like weird link schemes. <laughs> they just they don't i mean we do like we do real what you know a will from um seer interactive calls it real company shit i don't know if i can swear but but i mean that's that's what you should be doing just real stuff real marketing real promotion just happens to be online um 
you know, and when you write copy, it should actually be to solve somebody's burning problem that's encapsulated by a keyword, right? Just you have to solve their problem. And as long as you approach it from that perspective, uh, as with real stuff, (laughs) real authoritative people writing, not fake people that you've hired and you've, you know, enhanced their bio, that stuff is not going to work. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's hard for me to answer that question. I help people who have tanked because they, so the other thing is that you could tank because nobody's at the wheel, right? So those are the people I tend to pick up. Right. And so it's like, uh, it was an authoritative website. It was doing great. Didn't think it needed SEO, especially these federal websites, the dot govs, right? They're like, oh, we're going to rank because we get some magic mix because we're a federal website. And the dot gov doesn't mean anything. It does not mean that you're going to rank. Federal websites have to work just as hard as other websites to strategically rank for rank. stuff people are looking for. And half the time they're using acronyms that are not what people are looking for, right? So the language mismatch between average American looking for help. <laughs> what the government is putting out is, is pre- it's a pretty big gap sometimes. Yeah. Um, and if you, the other thing that can t- tank you, which is the stuff I see a lot is technical stuff. So you've gone through a website redesign and you decided I don't need an SEO involved in that process. I'll just see how it goes <laughs> and without fail. That's always a bad plan. <laughs> um, uh, that means you're going to lose traffic or you might have a website that Google bot can't get to all your content because if you've, the developer loves JavaScript <laughs> and has come up with some cool way of loading stuff with JavaScript that Googlebot can't read and get access to. Um, so, so that's the thing. SEO is a steady, always on thing. And if you're at the wheel, you just have to stay up to date with all the uh, changes. And for the SEO community, a lot of that's on Twitter, actually. Weird, because I know Twitter's kind of one of the older platforms and not the hip thing to be on. Um, <laughs> But that is where Google tweets a lot of stuff. Um, It's where the experts tweet a lot of stuff. And if you find the right folks to follow, that's kind of where I get a lot of my news. You could also read things like Search Engine Land and Search Engine Watch and Search Engine Journal. Those are all great places to get information too. Um, That and there's a couple Slack groups I hang out on where I can get help from other folks and hear about new stuff I might have missed. But uh, my entire career, staying up to date with SEO um, has been a five, five hour a week reading habit or so on average, it has you, have to, you have to put in the time to, com- to read and absorb the new stuff coming. And I mean, I mean, five seems a lot, it's somewhere between five to eight, depending on the week. Um, but Google changes the algorithm nine times a day. <laughs> So if you don't, and some of those are minor, but, but if you don't attempt to stay on top of it, especially yeah. if, um, depending on the query, most queries have got video in it and 94% of the time it's a YouTube video. So your strategy needs to be YouTube, YouTube oriented too, right? Because they'll pull through a video because it's performing well on YouTube. <laughs> so, I mean, there is, it's more than just the Google updates that you need to stay on top of is what I'm saying. Um, anyway, so that's how you avoid crashing with an algorithm update. And it's not easy. It just requires a commitment. Great. I think my, uh, usually as we end, uh, end the podcast, I ask this question, where, what is your source of learning? And I have to skip that answer, uh, question today because I already have got the answer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Twitter, uh, join some Slack groups, which are there, which are uh, community-based groups, which help you in marketing. 
read uh, search engine land and other uh, people who are writing stuff google updates which are coming in and if you want to grow in seo at least read 5 to 8 hours a week yeah those are the key pointers guys <laughs> um as we uh, see the growth and uh, we see a lot of ads which are coming up now Mm-hmm. Usually on good keywords, we have four five ads. There was a ad by Hey Summit, uh, not Hey Summit, but uh, Basecamp guys, that uh, on their keyword they had to do ads as they were ranking also, and then there was a controversy there. That why Google is asking us money for our own keyword, uh, and there are a lot of keywords where four five people are there in ads, and then you will end up on the fourth or first uh, search. How? Uh, should we approach those things whenever we become a big brand and then uh, on our keywords there are four five different competitors who are ranking above us what should be the approach yeah unfortunately we're in a part of digital marketing where pretty much in every platform you need to have paid advertising dollars now again it will depend on your industry i work with a few where there's no ad showing weird <laughs> um but uh for most you do need to have a paid ad budget. Um and like I'd said it also depends on your market. So if it's a physician based market, absolutely because they are busy 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 people and they won't go past the paid ads. Um but yeah, you need a strategy and it can't be as much as I'm just going to throw money at it. So I think what I run into a lot for people that have never run paid ads is they don't realize that there's uh a it's a it's an auction based system. and you need to have a good SEO landing page underneath it all and there's a thing called quality score you should measure the number of times that i've audited accounts and um i i distinctly remember i was at ketchum they had some person had found some outside agency and they brought me to the table and i don't even do paid ads most of the time right i'm like the organic girl but i just asked them i said so what's the average quality score and all i got was deer in the headlight bullocks and i was like If you're not monitoring quality score, what are you doing? So for everybody listening, quality score is this uh this ranking number and Google honestly hides it in the interface. You have to go turn it on so you can actually see it in the columns. Um but it's a it's a ranking of 1 to 10 and if you're 10, you're basically going to get you're going to pay less per click cuz the algorithm has decided you are the perfect answer for this. Um and your ad will show So when I've seen tens once because we were running paid ads at Environmental Working Group, we had the National Tap Water Database. We were advertising on the National Tap Water Database and we had a 10. So we got less. We had to pay less for those ads. Um but if you're anywhere 1 to 3, your ad won't show. You could be trying to throw money at it. <laughs> your ad's not even showing. Um so that's what I find oftentimes is that people don't even know they need to track that metric. Um and there's more to it than of course. Um which is why you should get a paid ad expert to run your paid ads instead of just thinking you can th- you know open up a credit card and give it a whirl yourself experience is one of the biggest thing which uh, our industry as a whole needs because everybody who thinks on uh, so whenever there were paid uh, billboards which were going out in the industry in late 90s today also billboards are there there were agencies who used to handle those things and then they had their own experience but now everybody as you said with credit card can go and do ads on facebook and then go and do ads on google and that is where i think a lot of information is missing out uh, because strategy is not there they are spending the dollars in the wrong way and those kind of things happen uh we are shifting to the end and uh, so 
if somebody wants to find you out uh what is the best medium to find where should they contact catherine and sure yeah so where should somebody contact you in the first place yeah so my website is wostrategies.com that's kind of watsia ong strategies anyway wostrategies.com and then i'm on twitter so that's k w a t i e r which is my maiden name on twitter um and i also have you can also check out our podcast digitalmarketingvictories.com um yeah and then you can track me down on linkedin too <laughs> okay so uh when we see uh, things changing so much you have been in this industry of seo for last 15 years and uh, things change every year you have new clients coming in with the same problem sometimes you see in the industry uh what is your sense of motivation for the whole thing because uh, as an architect uh, whenever they are uh, they study something in college and then it is going to be pretty much same for most part of their life basics are going to be there in seo things change algorithm change uh, new search algorithm comes or right now you as you are uh, we discussed youtube is coming up and search video is coming up and those kind of things what is the motivation of doing these all things day in and day out um so part of it is that i really love to learn and so when i had a team that was one of the things that i vetted um because you got to be somebody who just loves to be constantly learning um i remember early in my career i forget what i was doing but i had a job where I didn't learn anything at the same thing I was doing every day and it's like oh my god shoot me. Um so <laughs> I'm the opposite of that, right? So I I have definitely found a place where I have to learn all the time and I love that. I also love the fact that I have to learn it fast and explain it to other people quickly. So that really is exciting to me. Also, um I started coding early. My mom got me a Commodore 64 when I was 13. <laughs> 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 um and I I don't know what platform we were. It was at C+ maybe or something or yeah, Visual Basic. I don't know. Uh, yeah, who knows. But I I remember we spent cuz you couldn't save anything back then. And yeah. my brother and I cuz I grew up in Maine, a lot of snow, a lot of boredom in the winter. Um and we would spend, you know, days coding this thing. um hoping the thing wouldn't crash because we couldn't save it just yeah. to make the machine like meow like a cat or make a cow sound that was so exciting um so the coding part i actually like i mean i'm not a developer but i i really kind of find it intriguing sometimes um but ultimately with the clients that i work with now i spent about a decade of my life in the nonprofit space and and so i have more of a mission based focus to me in general and i just really feel like especially with some of this health stuff you have the american public here in the us cuz i work with us clients usually they've got burning questions that they're going to google to get the answer for and i just feel like they should have the best answer presented to them which is not guaranteed that it's going to come from the most authoritative spot google will pick whatever and i just feel like the clients that i work with who literally have the most accurate information should appear and if they're not it's a travesty and so that's what gets me up in the morning is <laughs> to, to make sure that the great research on covid-19 coming out from some of these academic journals is getting surfaced and is getting presented to the researchers and so they can build on it right um anyway so that's the part that gets me excited but in general for almost every client i work with it's usually a consumer focused yeah. and so it is this focus around like i can see these questions just got it you want to present to them you want to get them the answer you know i think it's a great way of seeing things and a great way of uh, having a motivation to wake up in morning and work on things day in and day out uh, it was uh, great chatting with you uh, catherine i had a great time i learned a lot of things in seo that is for sure 
uh, audience would also find one or two things. I learned about the quality scope. We don't do a lot of Google ads, but uh, we surely will click on the quality score and then turn it on. Right, you gotta you gotta find it and surface it. But now you know to look. <laughs> uh, thanks a lot for agreeing to be on the show. We had a great time. Uh, thank you for coming. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you for doing this.